0: Proclaiming truth to restore life and liberty. This is The Future of America with your host, Nena Arias. She has proclaimed truth for over 40 years in many nations of the world and now endeavors to restore the values of the biblical worldview that made the United States of America the most powerful nation in the world. Ideas have consequences. They're passed on from generation to generation, forming the culture of a society. To eradicate error, the moral and ethical principles of the Bible must be firmly established in the heart and mind of each individual. Discover how to apply biblical principles to transform your world. And now, your host, Nena
1: Arias. Welcome, friends. It is so great to have you with us once again as we explore a new topic that I hope and pray will enrich us and teach us more about the important things in life. We know that every day brings challenges. Every day we have to make important decisions for the present and the future aspect of our lives. But we know that with God we have answers, we have guidance, We have enlightenment to our understanding, and above all, his supreme wisdom. In today's program, we're going to see one of Satan's most effective weapons and strategies that he uses against God's work and against God's people. So I thank you for joining us in this broadcast. I'm Nena Arias. We're going to be dealing with a question that you will recognize from the book of Genesis, Satan, God's enemy and our enemy has many weapons that he knows work to accomplish his goals of destruction, which is his ultimate goal. He wants to destroy. He wants to crash everything that God is doing in our lives and through our lives. But since the beginning, Satan showed what his weapon of choice is. And he used that weapon to make Eve fall for his trap, which caused her and Adam to sin against God. And it worked. And I'm going to read the account from Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, and I'm going to make emphasis on the title of our program today that is, Did God Actually Say? And I read from Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. End of quote. Here is the plot and here is the strategy. And we see that Satan starts out with a very challenging question. Did God actually say? Already putting doubt in that question and planting it in Eve's mind. When Satan confronted Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus' weapon of choice was the word of God. Satan caught on to this, and he also partially quoted God's word in his attack, endeavoring to make Jesus fall. And you can read that account in Matthew chapter 4. So we see that from the very beginning, Satan's favorite weapon that he uses to serve his purposes is to twist and distort and cause confusion on God's word because he knows how important it is and how effective a weapon it is. Our weapon of choice against Satan should also be the word of God. This is clearly spelled out for us in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 through 18, where we are taught about putting on the whole armor of God. In verse 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. End of quote. God does nothing outside of what is already established in his word. And man cannot be approved before God if he doesn't live according to what is already established in God's word. So you see how important God's word is? When doubt is cast on the word of God already, that is a scheme to make people fall for lies. And Satan knows how to do this very well. If there is something that we really need to be alerted, is when God's word is used out of context, when God's word is deliberately disobeyed, when God's word is ridiculed and mocked. We should be very alerted when these things happen. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. It is the weapon that we use for offense and defense. It is the road map that we use to find our way in life. And God's word lasts forever. God has made sure of that. In Matthew chapter 24 verse 35, it says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words Will not pass away. End of quote. That's pretty clear, isn't it? The duration that God's word has, it will not pass away. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, we read the following, and it says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. End of quote. You might say, How can a book that was written so long ago in so many different circumstances, that has been so useful in the past, that can be useful in the present, and definitely will endure forever. How does that work? Words that were spoken by God have that type of durability? That's what God's Word says. So when Satan comes in, Like he did with Adam and Eve questioning, did God actually say this? He continues to ask that question to many people to plant doubt, to get people thinking that perhaps God has made mistakes in what he has said. And especially when they sound so outdated and so out of practice in the culture where we live and people attack it and they say all sorts of things, denigrating and ridiculing God's word, when that is hammered over and over and over again in people's minds, there's doubt there. Is this really the word of God? How do we know? To this day, Satan's weapon of choice continues to be the distortion and misrepresentation of God's word to the world. And many times he uses the very people who say they have answered a call from God to preach his word. And I'm going to explain this further as we unfold this topic. Because many people can talk about the Bible, even ridicule it, even denigrate it, or not present it properly. But when those who say they belong to God, that they have been called by God to preach the word, and then fallacy comes out of their mouth, that is very, very dangerous. And we must be very careful, which, of course, the only foolproof protection that any of us have to not fall for error or heresy is for us to have our own Storehouse of God's word in our mind, in our heart, and to be living it. To make God's word the integral part of our very being. So that Satan cannot come in and put doubt of God's word in our mind and in our heart. As I already mentioned, ever since the serpent said to Eve, has God actually said, The word of God has been questioned, attacked, and distorted throughout generations. The serpent emphasized two important elements, the accuracy and the authority of God and of his word. He said, has God really said? And then later on he says, that's not true. God knows that the day that you eat of this, your eyes are going to be opened. So not only is he attacking the accuracy of what God has said, he's also attacking the authority of God and his word. And this is a very common practice, even in our day. Bible accuracy is too often questioned because people want to find a way around it to live lives that they know are not approved by God. Yet, they want to use just a little bit of God's Word to sound authentic, to sound spiritual, and to give the impression that they're not so bad. There are those who say that the Bible we have today cannot be trusted. And when you listen to a lot of so-called theologians that have graduated from liberal colleges and even liberal theological colleges, you would think that the Word of God has no merit. They find a way to explain away all the supernatural, and they make an effort to explain everything naturally. Or, when they cannot explain it naturally, then they talk about myths, legends, suppositions, allegories, when the Word of God, for the most part, is to be taken literally. Some say, well, if it was written by men, therefore it must have errors. They also suggest that during the centuries of copying the Scriptures, men introduced many errors. Now, a person that doesn't know how the Bible came to us, that doesn't know the care that the Jewish people had of God's Word, that do not understand how serious a profession it was to be a scribe of God's Word and how the process came about. If they don't know all these things, then people will believe, well, yeah, human beings did write it, didn't they? What if they made mistakes when they were copying it? What if they did not write down the right words? Or they are misinterpretations? We would have to create another entire series that would last very long to go into that subject. How the Bible came to us? How do we know it is accurate? What corroborates the Word of God? On and on and on and on. But the most powerful argument... For the accuracy of scripture is simply that God himself tells us it can be trusted. Do you know why? Because he himself has protected it and he backs it up. The proof of anything is, does it work or doesn't it work? When it comes to the word of God, there has to be proof there when you apply it, when you believe it. Does it cause your faith to grow? Or is it just something that you fill your mind with information and that's it? And you spew it out like a recorder. Ladies and gentlemen, God attests to his word and he backs it up. Everything that he has said, he backs it up. The Bible, whatever the Bible says, comes to pass every single time. And it's not like a history book that you read. It is not like an encyclopedia that you can read. It is a living word that you read, you understand, you apply, and you see the result. One important goal of anyone who defends the Bible is to give evidence that we have in our hands exactly what God said and exactly what he wants us to have and to know. And anyone who wants to become a witness of this can do so first hand. When you apply the word of God and it works in your life, you become a firsthand witness that it works. In Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11, we read, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. End of quote. Now we must understand this because some people say, well, I quoted this part of God's word and even prayed about it, and nothing happened. But God says here that his word will never return void. So there's either something that you're not understanding, as you are loosely or very conveniently using the word of God, or you are applying it incorrectly. Because God says, my word will accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So there's no way that God's word returns back to him void. Void of results. Void of understanding. Void when it is applied. The first-hand experience with the Bible is the most powerful to each individual who wants to put it to the test. Many people can tell you whatever they want and maybe even can give you testimony of how the Word of God has worked in their lives, but you don't know if it really works or not until you put it to the test and apply it in your own life. So the first-hand experience I cannot emphasize enough it is the most powerful testimony that you can receive about how the Word of God works. But also, we have many archaeological findings that continue to corroborate the Bible's accuracy. And of course, we know that one of those evidences that the Bible has been preserved and copied accurately in the past is shown in the discovery of, of the dead sea scrolls and i encourage you to read about the dead sea scrolls now these scrolls were found by a shepherd boy in 1947 and they are dated from 250 to 150 bc this discovery pushed back our available oldest scripture text about a thousand years. And when the content of the scrolls was compared to later copies, no significant differences were found. That means the scribes had been copying with great precision for almost ten centuries. This amazing discovery moved us 1,000 years closer to the originals. Now, I have read in times past about the process of how the scribes used to handle God's Word. And believe me, they could not afford to make one little mistake. And no one scribe ever worked alone. They worked in pairs. They worked in a team. And they double-checked each other. And if they ever made one little mistake, they had to start all over again. And they only ever used authorized copies that were kept by the priests and those who were authorized to have the original scrolls of the law, of the scriptures. So it was not just a person... That would sit down and say, well, I'm going to make a copy of this scroll. I don't know where it came from, but I'm going to make a copy. It was handled very seriously and very authentically. And they guarded the originals zealously. And this was the work of the scribes. So finding these Dead Sea Scrolls definitely corroborated. And it showed that the scribes were meticulously working when they copied the texts of Scripture. It was a very serious profession. We can evidence the life-changing qualities of the Bible in the lives of millions of believers. We can evidence the historical accuracy of the texts of the Bible. Many of the people and places mentioned in the Bible and their existence can also be corroborated in history. So history corroborates the Bible. Archaeology corroborates the Bible. And the personal witness or experience of each individual with the Bible is the strongest proof that you and I have. Because it works. But there is another internal argument for the accuracy of scripture based on the character and attributes of God. And this argument is supreme. Do you know why? God cannot afford for there not to be an accurate report or account of who he is. The scriptures claim that God himself breathed out Scripture, inspired the Scripture, using human instruments. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, we read, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. End of quote. And this is a very important point. The Bible can only make sense when you factor in the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so misunderstood in the world today, and even in Christianity, in the lives of those that have not experienced a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God, that God has provided. And Jesus commissioned the Holy Spirit to come and be our teacher. To come and guard to perfection all the purity of the things of God. And you cannot fool the Holy Spirit. You cannot play with the Holy Spirit. You cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit is the only sin that will not be forgiven. The Holy Spirit is a very, very delicate part of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is never to be underestimated in any way, shape, or form. So it is the Holy Spirit that has guarded God's truth throughout the ages. He has diligently guarded the scriptures so we can have them in every generation. The Holy Spirit has been and is faithful to preserve God's word in accuracy so it can be trusted to be his word. His wisdom is infinite and he is all powerful and holy. So everything he says is trustworthy, accurate, and without error. That is why we can confidently say God's word is infallible. You hear that very often in churches. The word of God is infallible, meaning it has no errors. You know why? It is God's work and His image in His own nature, and the accuracy of Scripture is guaranteed. But this argument goes even further, including the faithfulness of God to preserve the record of His work through Christ. God sent His own Son, the second person of the Trinity, to take human form for the purpose of redemption. What was the cost of God's incredible gift of salvation offered to man? The life of his son, his own son's life. So the Bible is the record of Christ's coming to earth. Without the Bible, we don't know about Christ. Do you think God could afford to lose that message along the way? Absolutely not. He has guarded that zealously and has made sure that the accurate message of his plan of salvation that includes the life of his son has been passed on from generation to generation to generation. God cannot afford to lose this account. The payment for our sin and all the truth that we need to know about Him is in His Word. There's no way that God would allow His Word to be lost. And we have seen it in history. Many have attempted to destroy it. They have confiscated all the Bibles. They have burned them up in piles. And yet the Word of God is still the best seller around. The world. Right now, in China, again, they are confiscating Bibles and oppressing Christians harder than ever before, and they are confiscating the Bibles and burning them. They've done that before. They didn't learn their lesson because once they lifted the prohibition, hundreds of thousands of Christians came out from hiding in China It is amazing. The work of the Holy Spirit upon the earth is amazing. And nobody can ever outdo God on any strategy. Least of all, disappearing his Bible, his word. But the enemy has tried to do that throughout the ages. And he continues to tell people, has God actually said? We're going to continue with this topic, ladies and gentlemen. And I hope you will join us next time.
0: Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. May these truths challenge and change your heart. We hope today's topic has truly enriched your life so we can make America strong again. This program is made possible by the generous financial support of our listeners. All donations are tax deductible. We would love to hear your questions or comments. Please visit our website at www.culturallegacy.org. You may email us at cl.culturallegacy.org or write to The Future of America, P.O. Box 38456, Greensboro, North Carolina, 27438. Call us at 877-732-2887. That's 877-732-2887. Remember, you are a person of positive or negative influence. What you do today will impact the future.